0: I tell you, you all sound Ghanaian. Singaporeans sound Ghanaian. Seriously. See, right now I've got my English accent on, but if I start speaking like that, then you know. <laughs> I was in um, Northern Cyprus in March and uh, a lady came up to me after I finished speaking. And she said, why do you sound just like me? And she was Singaporean. See, you all didn't believe me. But this is my hour moment, because this is, I think, the last service, okay. I wanna just thank you, uh, Pastor Yang, Pastor Daphne, for your hospitality. You know, Jesus said, when you go somewhere to, when he sent you somewhere to minister, he says, don't always deposit what you have first. See how they treat you first, because how they treat you is exactly how they're gonna treat the message you bring. That's a principle. See, we all think that Jesus is just about, is is so keen to to scatter his seed everywhere. No, the receptivity of the people is always seen in how they exclaim, how beautiful are the feet of him. I have felt welcome. I echo what Lady Becky said. I feel like I'm part of the family. You have this knack of letting, of sucking people in. (laughs) by the grace of God, I work on 55 different nations of the world in different places. Um, A week by this time, where will I be? I'll be in Lusaka, (laughs) actually on Wednesday. And then another week later, I'll be in Ghana, and God knows where else I'll be after. I can't remember beyond that. Um, So you're going to different places, and as you go, you never get used to it, because you're always in trepidation whether or not people are going to receive you, or they're going to tolerate you, or just, you know... And so I'm glad and I'm grateful, thank you so much. I said this morning he has a very infectious personality. And there's, you know the Bible says iron sharpens iron. And without, you see greatness when they sharpen you without a consciousness. The word sharpen means to, to, to cause to remain useful, to cause to be, remain fruitful and to keep from losing cutting edge. Yeah. That's why you must always surround yourself with people who will sharpen you. You'll always be fruitful. You have a sharpening grace there without even being conscious of it. There's just something about you that is released. That is released. And I thank God for being here. I count it an honor. It's really good to see the Murray family and I got an extension of the family too. It's wonderful, warm spirits. You know, it's just great when you see other Christians. Well, this morning, time is never on my side. The next anointing I'm gonna preach and pray for and fast for, really, is a Joshua anointing, God. Let the sun, is it the moon sun, whatever it is, let it not mess with my preaching. <laughs> I'm just one of those people who talk a lot, and so. <laughs> I've always got more to say than the time that I, I have. But this morning, before we go on, I, I just want to push you a little bit. Forgive me, but I want to see you more excited. When we come to worship, we come because of Jesus. We got to be prosperous. You got to be excited like a dog that sees his maker. <laughs> That's how it's got to be. Did you even realize that the Bible says, Let the people praise you, O God, let the people praise you, then shall the earth yield her fruit. Religious people wait to come up in a line in that front for somebody to bless them. Spiritual people understand everything they do is spiritual. And every time you open your mouth and you begin to praise God, the Bible says the earth is holding something that belongs to you, that the worship allows it to express it and yield it to you. So God says, when you get up, he said, lie in your bed and sing aloud when was the last time you lay in your bed and say and crown him lord of all He said lie in your bed and sing aloud and on occasions when you cannot sing aloud he says make melody in your heart god that should tell you how much this thing is important to god but this morning, I want to take you, just share a couple of things about worship for you. It's very good because you want to be sharp. You, you want to create an atmosphere where the enemy sees you and he's not comfortable with you. I made a promise to myself, the enemy will not be comfortable around me. Wherever I go, I'll route him out. You know, never, ever let Satan feel comfortable around you. Jesus goes into Gadarenes, and the moment he enters there, without much ado, the enemy begins, the demons begin to scream and say, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, what have we got to do with you? I'm like, yeah, that's the living. You enter into a place, light penetrates the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. Amen. When darkness feels comfortable with you, something is wrong. Yeah. Something is wrong. This morning, I want to share with you something Um about, especially as a gateway church, I'm gonna go into some other stuff. We're gonna be talking about purpose, but I always talk about worship a little bit first. It's my grace and it's my anointing. Yesterday, I shared some stuff. I said, whenever you worship and you praise, and we talked about the sound, you have four audiences. The first audience you have is actually yourself. So as you praise God, how many of you smiled when we sang majesty and stuff like that? Your chest went out. There was a liberty because your spirit is hearing it and something is happening inside of you. The next person that hears is your neighbor. The psalmist says, come worship the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. The humble shall hear their and something begins to happen to them. Breakthrough begins to happen. They are glad. Did you know that your de- somebody's deliverance is in your mouth right now? Not your. That's why you mustn't be comfortable when people don't turn up at church. They are holding something that belongs to you. You must call them and say, "There's something in your mouth. We must stop this celebrity thing that everybody is waiting for somebody in the front to come and do something for them. Right where you are at the back, in your mouth is deliverance and breakthrough, a yoke-breaking anointing for somebody. Because when they hear. He the gladness of God will come because they're free, they're blessed. And the third person that he is God. He's going to be enthroned in this praise. But to this evening, this morning, I wanted to tell you a fourth person that hears your worship. And I want to take you quickly to the book of Joshua chapter 2. And now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And of course, Rahab, uh, the longest short of the story is that uh, she hid them but in, in, in her house on, on her roof. And and then now before they lay down, verse 8 says, she came up to them on the roof. And they this is what she said and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. How would you like the enemy to come? And instead of you being afraid of him, he's telling you, I know that you've already got Singapore for Jesus, I know it. We are so used to hearing negative things. We're so used to hearing people tell us what's impossible, that it's refreshing to hear it when the enemy tells you, I know that you've been giving the land. I know that you guys from Cornerstone has already possessed the land for Jesus. And the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. Stay with me, verse 10. How did this happen? How is it that the enemy is so afraid of you? How how does this confession come about? Verse 10, for we heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came up out of Egypt. And we heard what you did to the kings of Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihom and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. What's the enemy hearing from your mouth? Moaning, griping, crying? He's gonna hear something because, sir, I just realized what I say and the enemy hears has an ability to cripple him. Wars are fought with weapons, they are won by strategy. The very essence of strategy is that you dismantle the enemy, you disengage him before the battle begins. Yes. Israel hasn't entered a battle. And yet, this is the greatest city they are going to take. Jericho, the Bible says in uh, Joshua 6, that Jericho is highly fortified. The people are, now I understand why it's highly fortified. Nobody goes in and nobody comes in. They put themselves under siege. Why? Because they heard something. I'll tell you what they heard, Exodus chapter 15. You must always ask yourself, what is the enemy hearing? What is the enemy hearing? Sound is important, sound is important. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang the song. As they went from town to town, city to city, they began to praise God. They began to release their sound. Everything responds to sound. Sea responds to sound, It parts in two. Loaves of fishes respond to the sound of Jesus' voice. They begin to multiply. Mountains begin to uh, shift when they hear something. What is coming out of your mouth? What sound are you releasing? They began to sing, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. They are singing their testimony. We don't sing a song. We sing a testimony. We have a conviction. The person that wrote the song wrote it from a testimonial place. You better sing it from a testimonial place uh, because that's what's the impact uh, the enemy is having. Don't just come and worship God anyhow. Be intentional. Be deliberate. I love it in Psalm 45. The the, the psalmist says, uh, I came, I made my composition to the Lord. In other words, he says, I ain't relying on Matt Redman today. I'm not even relying on anybody else. I came with my own words. I'm going to give it to him today. Oh, if we imagine when church would come and everybody, that's when he spoke. He says, my tongue has become the tongue of the ready writer. That was never meant for the preacher. It was meant for the worshiper. In other words, we came and I'm going to give it to him today. Ah, rise up, gird up your sword amongst your enemies. Rule powerfully. That's what it looks like. You understand? They are hearing some things. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise Him. My Father's God I will exalt Him. But stay with me. So they are singing all these things. They are testifying of what God has done and the people are hearing. Jericho is hearing and according to Rahab, they no more have strength to fight. I like that. How would you like your enemy to say, I'm afraid of you? I don't have any, the terror when the terror of you falls on somebody, but some of you don't believe me so stay with me, they are singing the song oh I love it, verse 9 says, the enemy said I will pursue, I will overtake I will divide the spoil, my desire the enemy always has an intent against us, my hand shall destroy them and then verse 10 says, God responded you blew with your wind, the sea covered them, they sank like lead in the mighty waters, verse 11 is where I'm coming to, who is like you O God, who is like unto you, you are glorious in your Holiness, you are fearful in praise. How many of you, when we were praising God today, were afraid you wanted to go hide? None of us. We wanted to draw more to God. Well, if it's not you who is afraid, somebody has to be afraid. Amen. Your enemy is afraid. He says, uh, Fearful in praise, doing wonders. You stretch your hand, the earth swallow them up. The people whom you have redeemed, uh, verse 14, the people will hear and be afraid. Pastor, it's about time we put God's enemies to terror. My God, this is not my message, but I've got to tell you this. I remember one day, one of our hospitality leaders, She, you know when you bring up children, they go to Sunday school, they know Christ Jesus, and afterwards they become teenagers, go to university, they don't want to know God anymore. So she refused to go to church. She dropped her mother off, her mother went, and because she's in charge of hospitality, after the service she has to do so. It's four hours later, her mother emerges, her daughter has not moved from the car. She's still parked. Tears drenched her face. She's sobbing, chest heaving. She said, what's the matter? She said, God came in the car. When they were, when I left, when I dropped you off, praise and worship was going on. And God came in the car. I pray, Cornerstone, that as you begin to worship riotously, that the Spirit of the Lord will penetrate these walls and arrest them. I am telling you, a couple of months ago, I was preaching somewhere. This young girl came. She's a leader in a church. Church. she's a worship leader I'm like got him got him, got him, got him, you have to do it but it didn't come because somebody one person sang on there it came because there was a rapturous level of faith that backed the worship and it penetrated outside and it created a climate and arrested a young lady in her car four hours she sat there weeping and could not move we don't come here and do religious stuff We understand you see a man who lacks understanding. He will dwell in the the assembly of the dead. He will be unfruitful. I don't want my worship to be unfruitful. I'm assigning my worship. The people will hear, stay with me and they will be afraid. Sorrow will take a hold of the inhabitants of Philistine. Note that the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. These are all nations that were going to be stumbling blocks that were resisting Israel from taking the land. But watch when they hear something happens to them. Sorrow takes a hold of Philistine. The chiefs of Edom are dismayed the mighty men of Moab trampling takes a hold of them all the inhabitants of Canaan fade away fear and dread fall on them by the greatness of the arm of God they will be still a stone till your people pass over give me four or five people right now I just want to illustrate something just come four or five people I told them this morning I promised not to bite just come quickly I want to show you something four or five people just quickly just quickly please come up let's do this thing very quick. Well, okay so I want you to be Philistine. Now, the Bible says, sorrow takes a hold of you, not just yet, but keep in mind when I ask you to. You are Edom. You will be dismayed, sir. Sir, you are are Moab, okay? Trembling will take a hold of you, okay? And then, you are Canaan. You will melt away. I need one more person. One more person, okay? Now, I want you just, stand in the middle. This is how they have, Now, this is essential for a church like you that believes in church planting that has a thrust of evangelism. Watch this. Circle her. The enemy will never let the captives free easily. The enemy is protective about the taking of territory. But as soon as Israel started to worship and honor God, as soon as they raised their voices and began to say, how great is our God, as soon as they began to speak about the terror and the might of God, something began to happen to, who are you, Canaan? Moab. Moab, what did you, what happened to you? You melt, you know, it was Canaan that was melting away, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, remember what I say to you quickly, my time is going, okay. (laughs) What were you again? Moab. You begin to tremble as you worship. Can you worship? Just give me something. Isaac, say, sing with me. Now listen, you know when you're singing, you're not singing a song somebody wrote. You're testifying something you have witnessed. That's it. It makes a difference when you testify, when your song becomes your testimony. So give it to me. How great is my God? So sing. Trembling begins to take a hold. Who is Canaan right now? Canaan, you begin to melt away. Okay, let's start this thing again. Come, 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 come. My time. Hold hands quickly. Okay. Now, before then, I'm trying to get this sinner here. I can't penetrate because they're not gonna let me. Now begin to sing. How great. Now something is happening to you as you're hearing. So trembling, somebody falls away. Somebody is dismayed. Now watch this, you're laughing, but this is literally what the scripture says. They all melt away until your people pass over. We just set the captives free. So I am charged. We know we are on assignment. As soon as we walk in here, when our mouth is released, our sound of warfare goes out. And God knows who is going to be released. I don't have time to tell you stories of people who have walked into a church from the street because they heard a sound. We charge you to become warriors this morning. We charge you to become dangerous. We charge you to become elements of God. I wanna say this very, very quickly as I go. How many of you are anointed in this place? The Bible says we have an anointing of the Holy One. Do you know what? How many of you women have ever lactated, you've breastfed? Okay. Was it inconvenient? Very, she says, that's true. Was it painful? Yes. Okay. Was it embarrassing sometimes when it leaks? Yes. Now, what's your uh, favourite breakfast cereal? Um, Granola. Granola. Do you drink tea? Do you put milk in your granola? Have you ever run out of milk at home? No. Ever in your life? Oh, she's better than me. (laughs) I'm forever forgetting to get the milk. (laughs) Who has run out of milk? Sharon, you have. Never have you run out of, not for at home to drink. You always have milk. Gosh, I've got to take you to the UK. Stop laughing. My time's going. Anybody? Yes. You run out of milk. Yes. What's your favorite cereal? Um, Cornflakes. Yeah. But you've run out of milk sometime. Yeah. There's a reason I'm asking that. Yeah. Have you ever sat down and went... Yeah? You just told me that you carry, you've ever carried yeah, breast milk. Yes, yes. It, was good for my baby. it was painful. Yeah. It was embarrassing. Yeah. You ran out of milk, but never once did you pump it, yeah. because just because you carried it didn't mean it was for you. Come on. <gasps> Amen. You are carrying and anointing you teeth, as we say. That belongs to somebody. It's a bit like keeping the tithe and God calls you a robber. Did you know when you don't fulfill purpose because purpose always impacts somebody else's life, you're a worse thief. Mm. You're carrying a grace and you are denying people. In Matthew 24, God calls it food. He gave you food. He said he gives the the parable of a kingdom. He says he gives you food to give to, to those who are hungry. And as soon as the master left, the servant did something else. And you know, that is such a unique parable. He never calls the servant lazy, he calls him evil. Because people are hungry and you have food and you have withheld. Because God promised those people he would send them food. Now you've you've dispersed Jesus' good name, he's become a liar. This is what it looks like when we do not fulfill purpose. So this morning, we are arresting you and me so that we can deliver what God has given us stay with me the greatest strategy and i'm calling this living life in purpose on purpose created with kingdom work in mind the greatest strategy in life is not death but life without purpose everything created according to colossians 1:16 everything created including your life and mind started in God and finds its purpose in him It is said of Jesus, for this reason the Son of Man was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. He himself says, I have come that you might have life and I have come that you might have it more abundantly. Jesus was clear. He was very, very intentional, very clear about his purpose. At the age of 12, his mom and dad are angry with him because they can't find him for three days. And listen to what Jesus says. He said, don't you know that I'm going to be about my father's work? Your father's work and your purpose doesn't start when you register an NGO. It doesn't start when you are officially doing something. Even Jesus counted preparedness as, as part of fulfilling purpose. Some of you are interns. You know that your ultimate purpose is not assuring. But it is important that you prepare. That's your posture. Many people are postponing what God wants them to do because they are waiting for a special occasion. But men are perishing, society is rotten, our nations are going apostate, economies daily are collapsing, the world is on fire. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 14 that the devil has held captives and he's intent on destroying cities and he would not let the captives go free. That's why in Isaiah chapter 60, he talks about an anointing that sets the captives free. There's a correlation between what Satan is doing and what God is doing. But listen to me, Jesus says, look, he says in John 4, he says, the harvest is ripe. The word look there means to look away from in order to see. If you keep, sometimes we see, but we don't see. He says, why do you say it hasn't come? Most of us are waiting for for revival to hit before we start evangelizing. But he said the harvest has already already come. He said that 2,000 years ago. So I wonder, and I asked this question this morning, is it possible, is it possible at all that the rottenness, the stench of sin, the degree of perversion that we are seeing and experiencing in our society is a result of a rotten harvest? Because if you have a bumper harvest of fish and you don't do anything to curate that fish and you leave it there, it will rot. When it rot, the first thing that happens hits you is the stench from the rot. The second thing that happens is worms begin to come and disease breaks out. I put it to you, ladies and gentlemen, we have a rotten harvest. Evangelism and reaching out is no longer an option. Otherwise, the rot will kill us. Quit postponing it. Am I still talking to someone? It says the kingdom of God requires radical action people keen people enthusiastic people passionate people compassionate people zealous people sacrificial willing to make a difference on behalf of God and for the good of humanity everybody who has every Christian has to have a philosophy in life as to how to live I like how Paul says as much as is in me I'm ready that's the philosophy that's your homework from this day forth when you go home you're going to write a philosophy that dictates and informs how you live your life he says I become all things to all men he says I'm a debtor to the cross now you see a successful man is because of how he thinks it's because of how he values things what's yours What's yours? Every one of us should have one. One that, in, that, that, that informs every choice and every decision that you make. Am I still making sense to you? I got my own. Every day I wake up, I say, I, it is written of me. This is what they said of Jesus in Psalm 40. It is written of me in the volumes of your book. I have come, O oh God, to do your will. You know what I'm doing? I'm giving notice to every other thing in my life. I'm easily distracted, so I've got to do that. Yes. There are many distractions in our world. So I've got to anchor my heart in something. I've got to speak my intent. I have come, oh God, to do your will. And I told you, every time you open your mouth, you have audiences. My spirit hears. My soul hears. The moment I say that, it is a sword drawn against everything else that comes against me to distract me, to slow me down, to snare me. And the second thing I do is I say, therefore I report for duty, sir. It's the equivalent of clocking in. You know, I don't know about you, I used to work in a factory before. When you go in, you put your punch your thing there to clock in. The time that you're clocking and clock out never belongs to you. It's my way of saying this day doesn't belong to me, it belongs to you. May it be lived in your glory. May it be lived for your purposes. May it be lived for your intent. May it be lived to pursue something of you. Will you start clocking in? You can do it too. You wake up in the morning, let's say it together. I report for duty, sir. The second thing I do is I report for training because I don't know everything. I report that the person who assigned me will equip me. I report that I would have a discerning ear. I I report that he would burden me with his burden. I report that I would know something. I report that I would have revelation. I report that the prophetic grace would... But you know, whenever you offer yourself, he will take you up on your word. And so I report for training. And the last thing I do is I report to bring him pleasure. These are important things, this is for me. I do that and already I'm in gear for action. So I go out and I rub my hands together. I say, who are we gonna to get today? It's exciting. Life doesn't become boring, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. What is workmanship? We are his poema. Good. We are distinctly put together for a particular effect. What are you going to do about it? Your life is different from somebody else. Comparing yourselves with yourselves, you are not wise. By the way, social media didn't make you, social media creates a false persona. <laughs> You understand, but I am already everything I should be. God made me. He says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crafted for rhyme and reason. In other words, God gave me my persona. And I'll give you an example. Ezekiel 28 talks about Lucifer. And he says uh, uh, when you were created, uh, stones, onyx, and, and things were found in you. But he also says timbrel and harp. In other words, there was musical instruments in your composition. I don't know. Because Satan had to, Lucifer had to create worship. He was assigned the job of great of bringing worship, And so this is God's MO. Everything that God demands of you, he already configured into your system. Wow. If you want to know your purpose, look at what you're good at. It'll tell you your purpose. By the way, God hid your purpose in you where you couldn't find, where you couldn't miss it and where nobody could take it away. Let me say that again. God hid your purpose inside of you where nobody can take it away from you. Stop looking outside. Therefore, purpose is self-discovery. Who am I? Can I give you an example very quickly? Remember Moses, and a lot of preachers preach that Moses dealt his hand very early when he killed that Egyptian because of his call. Can I disagree a little, just a tiny bit with that? Because this will help you. I can imagine Moses playing with other kids. This guy is configured by God to hate bullying. Because every time he sees a bully, he's got to intervene. Other people walk past, he'll never walk past. Whether it's Jew upon Jew, he's going to come in and separate the bully from and the oppressor. Whether it's Egyptian against you, he's going to come in and do something. Listen to the calling of Moses. God called him to deliver the people from the oppressor bully called Egypt. Ladies and gentlemen, you're born with what you have to do. Oh, you didn't hear me. I'm not asking for a clap. I want you to listen, you are born Become great students of your own life. When you are born again, you have no obligation to study anybody first. You study God and the second person is you. Become a student of your own life. Sit down and say, this is my inclination. This is how I think. I can tell you, when I, when I look back as a child, I used to sit under a mango tree and every ant that came, I lectured them day and night. Day. When I was in class, they said talkative, but shy, talkative. I'm still very shy, but still very talkative. Everything that moves, I still remember. The teacher was, a, the apostolic teacher was always a resident here. You don't have to look far. I can tell you, I run an NGO too. I mean, we look, we, we do build health centers, boreholes and stuff like that. And my greatest gift is compassion. If any person came to our house who was destitute, nobody asked them who they were looking for. Or they would just go, Celia, somebody's here to look for you. Because already you were born with this thing, born with this thing. Stop looking outside for your purpose. Reasons are the fuel in the fairness of achievement. We just heard it from the woman of God as she shared today. She had a reason that drove her to find her purpose. Jesus admonishes us, and this is the reason that I I, I felt that God wanted me to share this message. He says, you can't take your time. There is an urgency. He says, all of us must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent me. All of us must quickly. Did you hear that? All of us must quickly, quickly, quickly. Carry out the tax assigned to one who sent me, all of us, not some, all, because there's little time left before the night falls and work comes to an end. So Holy Spirit, lift up your hands. Father, we say let the spirit of urgency, a sense of urgency, a sense of desperate urgency come when I wake up in the middle of the night and cry, Abba, equip me. Abba, lead me. Use me, God, to show someone the way and enable me to say my storage is empty and I'm available. If you can use any God thing, Lord, you can use me, God. I'm available because the world needs me. All of us must quickly carry out. The tasks are sent to us by the one who sent us. Listen, if you don't carry it out, you will become irrelevant. She gave me a little bit of time. You will become irrelevant. If you delay, you might not be needed anymore. You've come into the kingdom for such a time. The moment God release you, God's timing is impeccable. Yes. You carry something. That's why we cannot complain about what happens in Singapore Quit complaining and understand, uh, I am the solution. I carry a solution. I kid you not, I live this thing. I wake up and I say, I am a solution to my generation. I'm carrying the fact that I'm alive. I buried somebody on Thursday. The fact that I'm alive means uh, there is something that I have to present. You know, I told you this morning that, uh, sorry, I I forget that they're different people. And so let me just use an analogy for you. David is about to die. Now, during his tenure as leader of of Israel, the the nation has made its wealth through the spoils of war he is a warrior king but when David is about to die he wants to build God a temple he wants to build God a house and God says no you can't build me a house because your hands are bloodied God didn't say that because you've killed people you are wicked I'm not going to let you build a house because God made him a warrior what do warriors do they kill people right they go to war but what God was doing is God chose his son Solomon Solomon is the total opposite of his dad Solomon is an economist Leader uh, David is a warring leader. God was bringing the nation into rest. May God give us discernment about what He's doing with our cities. May God give us discernment about what He's doing in our community. Intercessors, listen to me. We don't just pray any prayer. Let's pray the leaders in that not because uh, they are a favorite political party, but we or even they are Christians, uh, but let's pray the leaders in that belong to the season. I totally believe somebody prayed Cyrus in. Totally, at the time that it was right. And so uh, Solomon becomes king uh, uh, instead of David. Why? Because God is bringing the nation into economic uh, buoyancy through trade. Solomon has grace and favor. He becomes friends with all his his dad's enemies. Solomon begins a trade. God gives him a revelation to discover copper in his nation. So they are thriving. As the more queen of Sheba and people come, tourism booms, restaurant booms, hotel business booms. And that's how wealth. How do I know this? Even his father comes and says, listen, uh, give me the staffing list. You see uh, Shammai, kill him off. You never promised not to kill him. I promised not to kill him. But now that I'm going." You better get rid of that violent, spirited guy And then he says, Joab and his brothers You know, get rid of it In every season of your life Some people have got to go And some people have got to come on You can't take everybody into your new season Did you hear me? You cannot take everybody Some people will sabotage, not intentionally Because when you put a warrior in a room Where you're talking about GDPs and economy They will still find somebody to fight Relevance is important. By the time you make up your mind that you're going to present your gift, you're going to now activate your purpose, nobody might need it anymore. Moses is a great leader. But Moses is an—he's the opposite, he's an academic. Moses is an administrator, he's a pen pusher. Moses builds edifices. Moses writes public policy. Moses puts public infrastructure for governance into place. He's a very intellectual guy. Who else takes an offering and says it's enough unless he has a budgeting and accounting experience? The guy is very educated. We see him, you know, ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to go there. We see him only as a power person. Moses' great gift is not just power, it's wisdom. It's wisdom. Because he knows how to build. By the way, you cannot transform a nation with just power. I'm African, I can tell you that. We have many miracles. Indians will agree with me. Asian countries, you have many miracles. But our economies are a mess. Because the first time you see God, he doesn't introduce himself to you as a God of power. He introduces himself as a God of wisdom. He, it's wisdom that calls forth the change and power executes everything that wisdom demands. And so wherever you see only power, you won't see wisdom, but wherever you see wisdom, you'll see power because he's God of both. May we not just make God a God of power, may we ask him for grace. You speak, you look at even the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom and might and counsel and knowledge and understanding and the spirit of the Lord, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. He is all of those. But, but, but there's something cerebral also. There, there's something that he wants to impart. And I said this very quickly because some of you, when we talk about purpose, you're just thinking about healing. You're just thinking, well, lay hands on the nation and heal it too. And sometimes the nation needs healing through wisdom. Joseph brought, in Joseph's purpose, he brought Pharaoh a 14-year economic plan. He didn't get the job when he interpreted the dream He got the job as he began to unpack an HR plan an agricultural plan, a commercial plan, how to transact and who to trade with. I pray that God would release that. There are many professionals in here. Stop looking for for your anointing. Stop looking for your purpose outside of what you know that you naturally do. We need some Josephs right now. We need some Daniels, you understand. I'm saying that however God has configured you. If you're gonna go to college, you're considering a career. Even think about how your career fits in with your purpose Amen. I hope I'm making sense to you and so I started to talk about Moses let me listen, finish very quickly and, and, and Moses he's, he's, a, he's a first prime minister and so he puts everything in place by the time he's dying Joshua is coming up by the way God doesn't kill off Moses God ain't a fool because God doesn't respond like we think in anger spontaneously he got a plan he retires that guy into heaven because Moses lacks the competency for the next season of the nation. <laughs> That's right. The next season of the nation is that nothing needs to be built anymore. Moses only knows how to build. Even when it comes to fighting, who does he call to fight the Amalekites? Josh. At the beginning of the book of Joshua, several confederacies of armies come against israel is that true who are you going to call a warrior so you see how joshua fits some of you are joshua's right now there's something that has been dormant inside of you for a long time for such a time as this we will never have victory until some people rise up. Some of you, you are frustrating us. Look at your neighbor, ask him, are you one of those? (laughs) Are we still cool? We're still good. You know why I said that? Because you think the victory is going to come through Pastor Yang. (laughs) Esther is anointed. Esther has favor. Esther has opportunity. She sits next to the king. Hey. Mouth is next to the king. She has nothing to say. There's a guy who is fully loaded with wisdom and revelation and strategy. He's sitting outside the gate. His name is Mordecai. He has something to say, but he has no access. As soon as the two of them get together, a nation is redeemed. That's why we must never tolerate our Esthers who want to postpone. That's why Mordecai said, come on Esther, you can't do this thing. If you remain silent right now, you will become irrelevant. Can I say the same to you? If you don't activate your counsel, you don't activate the grace, you don't activate your anointing right now, you will become irrelevant. You'll still have an anointing, but it'll be no good for the moment is important before God let me just finish this I am so frustrated time is important before God in Luke chapter 22 verse 36 Jesus looks at them and he says when I sent you out two by two he says "Uh, uh, did you lack anything they said no we didn't lack anything he said I told you not to take script I told you not to take purse I told you not to take clothing don't take money and he said anything but he said but now a lot of people are sending missionaries out with nothing who told you finish the verse He said, but now. Everybody say, but now. But now. 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 Now matters. He said, but now. Everything I told you not to take, take. And if you have no sword, sell everything. Now is important. You are in the kingdom now. By the way, if you follow the timelines of your purpose... The moment you respond to God in your purpose The moment you step out to do The things that you're thinking are impossible Will become possibilities Once Jesus said yes to purpose Once he stepped out in purpose When he needed an upper room it was ready When he needed a donkey it was ready All he said was this He didn't have to supplicate too much He didn't have to fight and contend He said go release that donkey And when they ask you just tell them Purpose has a need of it 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 it. There is a great. that somebody has bought that you need when he needed somebody to carry the cross they were there ready to carry it there is something that triggers off in the spirit the moment you step into purpose Jesus listen he even looked at Pilate and he said Pilate said, don't you think I can release a chill, Pilate? He said, let me tell you something. I put you in place to so try me. There is just that something when you're no purpose. There's an audacity, there's an authority, there's a power that comes to you. Are you still hearing what I'm saying? Time is important. Timeline's because God operates a very sensitive timeline. And he's, he loves you, but it, trust you me, he's not waiting for you. All of our anointings, specific. They are unique. I'm going to say this last thing and as I sit down. Your anointing is so specific. I'm going to give you a question before I finish that. What is the difference between a swamp and a river? A swamp is a, both are bodies of water. A swamp goes all over the place. It spreads. What does a swamp hold? A swamp holds what? Stagnant water. You'll find mosquitoes. You'll find alligators. You'll find crocodiles. You'll find serpents. As soon as you put boundaries to that swamp, it begins to flow and becomes a river. You'll find life. You cannot live just a general Christian life as soon as you put purpose to it it founds boundaries purpose has geographical connotations you are not sent to everybody you're sent to specific people Paul was sent to gentiles first only gentiles called him he had a great revelation of gentiles he was sent to kings he was the only one that kings would call just to hear the gospel he was the only one that said just Paulos and stuff they just wanted it whatever your anointing is you will attract When you know it, you can pray into it more. Stop. People come and say, I want an impartation. What are you gonna do with it? (laughs) You're doing something different, I'm doing something different. It's not every anointing that fits you. It's good, but it's not your portion. The anointing has geographical implications. You're not sent to everyone. It has associations and finally, you can wage a good warfare with your anointing when you know it. I finish. Sir, when Jesus is a baby, they come to kill him, Herod sends. What does he do? God tells him to go hide in Egypt. When he's an adult in Luke 14, he announces his anointing. They come to kill him. There's a murderous intent to push him off a cliff. He doesn't go to hide in Egypt. He disappears. When they show up in Gethsemane, he doesn't disappear. He doesn't hide in Egypt. He said, is it me you're looking for? What will you do when it's your turn? If you don't know your purpose, you'll get it all wrong. The Lord fill you with grace. The Lord fill you with the knowledge of his will. The Lord fill you with His anointing, the Lord fill you with understanding and discernment. The Lord calls you to follow where He leads. And in a year's time, in the days to come, you will see how transformational your life will be. He who has begun a good work in you, the same will bring it to his expected end. God bless you. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church.